Welcome to The Gods We Belong To, an urban fantasy noir podcast. The Gods We Belong To tells one continuous story in order, and it's important to start at the beginning. So, first timers, it's back to episode one for you. Now, my faithful friends, take a beat, take a breath, and let's check in with Alex. Chapter 4 It felt strange to suddenly be back in L.A. I spent the rest of that day and night smoking and sleeping, and when I woke up the next morning in my own apartment, in my own bed, I almost convinced myself it had all been a dark and vivid dream. But when I stumbled into the bathroom and caught that void black eye staring back at me from the mirror, my predicament snapped into hard, sharp focus. Congratulations, Alex. You have officially stepped off the edge of the world, and there's just no telling where this madness leads. In the long term, that is. Short term, it led straight to the heart of enemy territory, the Church of Individuology's Hollywood headquarters, for some angel recon. The COI campus is impossible to miss. It occupies a full square block with a large, brightly lit sign you could read from an airplane at cruising altitude and buildings that manage to be both grandiose and dull at the same time, all pomp and no imagination. I figured the eye patch made me too noticeable, not to mention impairing my onboard angel detector, so I went with a pair of very dark sunglasses to hide the even darker eye Odin had given me. At first, I threw on a hoodie for that extra shot of anonymous blandness, but along with the shades, it made me look like the Unabomber, so I ditched it. I got there early really early, and settled into a nice parking spot across the street just as the sun was creeping over the horizon. Gabriel hadn't been stingy with the specifics, but I wanted to see how the place worked firsthand. I sipped my morning coffee and watched basically nothing happen for a good hour. At 7 a.m., as the night shift cleaning crew were loading the last of their gear into a white company van, a lavishly decked out limo with the church's gaudy logo emblazoned on the side rolled up with an escort of twin SUVs, one in front and one behind. My dark eye pulsed. I could feel its energy twitch and jump in response to whoever was in that car. Michael, I figured. Gotta be. I watched the gate slide quietly open, letting the limo and its escort glide through before closing with a solid mechanical thunk. After that, it was a whole lot more nothing until the rest of the center staff began pouring in around 9 a.m. At 10 a.m., the center opened its doors like a giant Venus flytrap to draw and devour the aimless and weak-willed. And draw them it did. A parade of idiots, lost souls, and miscellaneous fuckwits streamed through the doors, lining up to be told what was wrong with them and how the church could make it all better. Today, for the purpose of research and reconnaissance, I was one of those fuckwits. After a few minutes waiting in line, I was met by Jimmy, or so his church name tag told me. 
I introduced myself as Frank. Seemed better to keep any real info out of this. Jimmy was, apparently, really glad to meet me. He shook my hand vigorously and talked with the kind of manic, wide-eyed enthusiasm you only find in true believers and meth heads. Step one in their whole welcome-to-camp creepy sales pitch was, of course, a test. Jimmy walked me down a series of hallways to the test room, greeting other similarly enthused staff members as we went. As we rounded one corner, I was hit with a jolt, a sudden pulse in my skull. There was a man in an expensive suit standing there, but my dark eyes showed me a glowing aura all around him. I figured this must be one of those half-breeds. Frank, Jimmy stopped, clapping a hand on my shoulder. I want you to meet someone. This is Ken Regis. He's in charge of all the church's outreach efforts. Ken, this is Frank. He paused, waiting for me to provide a last name. I had a flash of panic. Could he sense Odin's handiwork? Was I finished before I even began? I held my breath for an instant that felt like forever, bracing myself, ready to run, but he showed no signs of recognition. Fallon, I said, pulling a name out of thin air. Frank Fallon. Good to meet you, Mr. Regis. I extended a hand and he shook it. Firm grip. Good to meet you too, Frank. Why the indoor sunglasses? Oh, these? I stalled. Just came from the eye doctor. Those damn drops got my eyes so dilated, any light's too much. He nodded. I was pretty sure he bought it, or at least he didn't sense anything to be worried about. This was Hollywood, after all. Maybe he just assumed I was high. He'd have been right, but that was beside the point. Well, you're in good hands with Jimmy here. He's one of our best. With that, he checked his watch and clearly lost interest in me. I hope you'll excuse me. I've got a morning full of meetings. Welcome to the church. Then he went on his way, and we continued on ours. The test itself was exactly what you'd expect. A series of questions carefully crafted to make anyone who took it seem hopelessly, desperately in need of immediate intervention. The kind of intervention that only the Church of Individuology could truly provide. My test results were no different, not surprising since I fed them exactly the kind of crap I knew they were looking for. Apparently I was adrift, aimless, depressed, and borderline delusional. In other words, I needed lots and lots of church counseling, probably a few weekend retreats to boot. Time, Jimmy insisted, with the relentlessness of a proselytizing Terminator, was of the essence. I was in real and immediate peril without their help. Fortunately for me, the church's supreme leader was going to be speaking to all the new and recent recruits today, Jimmy informed me gleefully. I tried to sound surprised. His eyes glazed over with awe when he talked about Michael Enderley. This one was a true believer for sure. I was eager to see Michael speak, although not for the reasons Jimmy might have thought. Still, it made it easier to fake enthusiasm as Jimmy babbled on and on, slinging the church's particular brand of self-realization, or connecting with the true light, as they called it. But I knew the truth, more than Jimmy did. Beneath the surface, it was just the latest front in Michael's millennia-long quest for power and glory. Could be he'd grown bored with his other propaganda efforts, maybe all those centuries manipulating Jews, Christians, and Muslims just didn't float his boat like it used to. Or maybe he was branching out, looking to broaden his reach. From what Odin and Gabriel had told me, Michael seemed like a more-is-better kind of guy. 
Jimmy and I followed the increasing flow of foot traffic towards the auditorium. It was far larger than I had anticipated, a vast high-ceilinged space with an amphitheater-style layout. Rows of seats fanned out from the stage, each section upholstered a different color so the whole array looked like the plumage of some exotic tropical bird. We found seats about halfway back from the stage in the purple section and settled in to await the arrival of the Supreme Leader. Jimmy was very excited. I know this because he mentioned it at least five times in his many minutes. Frankly, it took all my self-control not to haul off and punch that irritating prick right in his vacant, grinning face. Self-control has never exactly been my strong suit, but this was the last place I wanted to call attention to myself. Along with the throngs of true believers, I spied several more half-breeds scattered throughout the audience, about ten of them just sitting there, quietly glowing. Deep breaths, Alex, and try not to get yourself killed. The lights dimmed, faded to black, and then the show began. Spotlights burst brightly to life and careened around the stage like frantic fireflies as the opening strains of some blandly upbeat music oozed out of the hall's hinge-sized speakers. Good morning, a voice cut through the music, and welcome! You're all in for a very special treat today. The chance to hear truth and wisdom direct from the source, the man who champions our magnificent movement and promises to lead humanity into the light. Please join me in welcoming to the stage the president of the Church of Individuology, Michael Enderly. The room exploded in furious applause. I clapped right along, best not to stand out. I tried to keep that advice in mind as a mind-meltingly brilliant figure of blinding light split the curtain and exploded onto the stage. It was all I could do not to raise an arm to cover my face like some black-and-white movie vampire. Michael was like the sun in the shape of a man, beautiful in an all-consuming inferno sort of way. I closed both eyes behind my sunglasses and let the darkness wash over me took several deep breaths, then opened only my left eye, the normal one. Now Michael looked more like a soap opera hero than a celestial body. Intensely blonde, tan, and beaming with an impossibly bright smile, I could still feel my right eye pulsing frantically, uber-angel proximity alert, apparently, but that I could handle. Michael let the frenzy of applause continue for a minute or two, soaking it up like the worship it was. Then he raised one hand just slightly, and a hush fell over the room. Hello, friends. It's wonderful to see you all here today. So many familiar faces, and so many new ones, too. I'm so excited to be here on this beautiful morning to share the Church's message of hope and progress, because that's what individuality is all about. Believing in yourself and the light that shines in each and every one of you. You guessed it. More thunderous applause and hollering half-wits. You are all golden children of the light, living in a world that often seems bound and determined to extinguish that light. To overwhelm it with darkness and despair. But you have all found your way here to this place of fellowship where you can feel safe, supported, and understood. The Church of Individuology is a sanctuary where you can learn, grow, and walk more fully in the light. 
and we all need sanctuary, because the world is full of traps, snares, peddlers of doubt and derision who will try to distract you from your true course, even attack the church itself. Don't be distracted, brothers and sisters. Once you set yourself firmly on the path, all such attacks are like the buzzing of flies, nothing but noise. Come to know the light and let it guide you. He went on in pretty much the same vein for a good half hour, or more accurately, a very dull half hour. It was exactly what I expected, lots of vague talk of self-realization and the light that all pointed in one direction. Surrender to the church, in other words, to Michael. Bullshit, obviously. And yet I have to admit, there was something seductive in his speech. It wasn't the words, it was him. His presence, the very sound of his voice. The lure was powerful. And for a split second, I almost thought he was making sense. Almost. I don't know if it was just my natural cynicism, or if my recent magical modification had anything to do with it, but... No matter how hard he worked his mojo, I still smelled bullshit. Mystical charisma notwithstanding, he sounded just like another preacher or self-help guru selling salvation. What he wanted with all these people, all that worship, was beyond me. Then again, pretty much everything about these beings was beyond me. After Michael finished his grand self-celebration, I shuffled out of the auditorium with Jimmy and everyone else. The plan was to beat a speedy retreat, but there was no way past the human traffic jam currently raging between me and the building's nearest exit. The surging throng suddenly charged forwards, pushing towards one particular auditorium door, then moved back like the ebbing tide, making way for the man himself. Michael Enderly emerged from the doorway, smiling and seeming generally very well pleased with himself. I shut my right eye as soon as I saw the first hints of his radiance, and then I just watched him work his magic, figuratively speaking. He shook hands, looked soulfully into followers' eyes, and made those lucky enough to be near him feel that they were, for one precious moment, his sole focus and concern. Actually, it was a pretty impressive performance. Then something caught his attention. Suddenly uninterested in the adoring crowd, he cocked his head like he was struggling to make out a faint or distant sound, furrowed his brow and scanned the room intently, searching. I felt a strong temptation to open my right eye, but fought it hard. Michael was looking for me, or more accurately for the source of the energy he was sensing, meaning my eye. I don't know how I knew it, but I just knew. In no mood to be touched by an angel, I turned my back to him and did my best to vanish into the crowd. Once I'd slipped free of the human waves surging towards Michael, I made my way to the front door and slipped outside. I'd had my fill of all things individuology for one day, and now that Michael had sensed me, it seemed like the smart play to back off. I kept up a brisk pace until I was off church property, then made a beeline for my car and headed home, with a small detour for some much-needed sustenance in the form of chicken and waffles. Michael's speech played in my head, along with the echoes of Odin and Gabriel, and other details of my increasingly bizarre life. I sat there for a while, lingering over the meal, just long enough for the sweet, salty goodness to overcome my post-angelic jitters. 
Then it was back to the apartment to mull over the day's reconnaissance and plan for tomorrow's mission. Getting to know Elizabeth Bettany, Michael's blushing bride-to-be. This has been The Gods We Belong To, Episode 4. The Gods We Belong To is written, performed, edited, and produced by Dan Goldstein. Theme music is I'll Drive by Daniel Birch. Additional episode music, Floating Past a Star by Daniel Birch. The True Entity of Life by Daniel Birch and Ben Pegley and Pilgrim's Progress by Chad Crouch. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word. Tell a friend. Better yet, tell multiple friends. You can even tell an enemy if you want. Post, tweet, shout from an open window. Five-star reviews are particularly helpful and appreciated. However you do it, thank you. You can find the show on Twitter at Gods We Belong To. Episode 5 is coming in just one week, so until then, don't do anything Alex wouldn't do.